Hello, everyone, and welcome to season three of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. Ashley and I are so happy to be back. My name is Mildred Murillo. I am an astrologer and spiritual coach. My co-host is Ashley Torrent. She is a psycho-spiritual counselor, psychic, and medium. For those of you that are new, thank you so much for joining us. For those of you that are returning, thank you so much for joining us again. We're we're really looking forward to the topics we have in mind for this season. And more importantly, we are celebrating in just a few days our one year anniversary of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. How do you feel about that, Ashley? I'm so happy to be in this space with you again. I'm so happy to be here too. Um, and I'm excited about this season. And I've been so grateful for the feedback that we've received over the past couple of months. It feels like we are finding our audience and the content is resonating with people. And that's so meaningful to me. And I can't believe it's been a year. It feels unreal. And it's been, I know for me personally, such a journey of growth and evolution. You know, you offering this platform for us to do this together has been a part of my own healing and using my voice and sharing stories and experience with other people and then hearing more about you. So I really enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, me too. I mean, I think that for the longest time, I, I really resisted doing a podcast for just stories and ideas that I had in my head about them. And in the way that it just came to pass, I had this idea for those of you, I think I've shared it before, but for those of you who haven't heard the story, I remember that. I was sweeping my living room floor. And as I was doing that, the idea came to me, you should do a podcast with Ashley. And I know that for you and I individually, the blue butterfly has a different, you know, its own meaning and it's come into our lives in in a particular way. And so I remember asking you and just feeling feeling like it was right, even though I didn't exactly know how it was all going to pan out. Um, there wasn't much thought. It was just going with an intuitive hit. And, and here we are a year later. And to really receive messages from people and how it touches them and how they resonate with our stories. I mean, that's it's so touching every time every time. And so Mm -hmm. I know how intentional we show up here and, and yeah, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the experience and to connect with people in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, um, because we're both introverts, I think it's an interesting space to create a podcast (laughs) with two introverts. You know, I was thinking about that the other day when, you know, I do one with Lair, my husband, and he's more extroverted, but it's, I think we've done pretty well, you know, considering, (laughs) you know, how little space, like we really like to take up in that sense, you know, or, you know, it's just not, anyway, I think you get it. Yeah. No, I I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I think um, a huge part of my resistance before that was probably around that, you know, Mm -hmm. the the introvertedness. And of course, I feel safe in in your presence, in your space. So I think that also helps for me to uh, Mm -hmm. be vulnerable and share my stuff. So thank you all. Thank you, Ashley. And really looking forward to, to another year into this season. Yeah. So today we want to talk about sense of self-worth, sense of value, and how that translates into money, finances, and our relationship with with all of that. Um, 
I, I wanted to bring this topic into this season because from an astrological perspective, this is something that we have all been working through in some way, shape or form in the last year collectively. So just to give you some insight, 2022 was a year in which we had eclipses in the signs of Taurus and Scorpio. Taurus and Scorpio in the Zodiac form the axes of money, worth, value, value system, what we tie our sense of worth to, boundaries, and really are are some of the core wounds that come around those topics and subjects for us. And so considering that by the time the episode airs, we're going to be close to the first eclipse season of 2023. I thought it would be really interesting to review some of the topics that 2022 taught us around around those themes and to also observe how some of those themes are coming full circle this year with, you know, with the eclipses that are coming this year. And it's important because eclipses are a time of great changes, great new beginnings, great endings. Eclipses tend to be a time in which we really break away from a lot of old stories, old narratives. And and eclipses bring events into our lives that are meant to nudge us forward. More than nudge us, sometimes they, they put us in situations, the energy puts us in situations where we have to choose differently. So just for the listener's reference, I want you to think back to March, April, and May of 2022, and then to think back to October, November of 2022. Those were the eclipse seasons of 2022. And I want you to think back and think about what you were going through at that time, what you were experiencing, and how pivotal those moments were in your life. For different people, they manifested in different ways, but those were really important times of 2022. And we're going to experience something similar April, May of 2023, and then October of 2023. So I said a lot, uh, but I wonder if anything comes up for you. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm so glad that you talked about that money and core wounds around money was all about 2020 because it was a year about money for me. I mean, it was a year about many things, but money was definitely something that kept coming up for me and my husband as individuals and then also how we care for it in our relationship. So this kind of gives me a sigh of relief that, okay, this was supposed to happen. And I feel like I've learned so much and done a lot of healing and taking responsibility for my money in a different way. I think I was a little detached or disconnected and the past year has really asked me, okay, you need to tend to your money like you tend to your feelings, like you tend to your home, like you tend, you know, it's an energy that's important. So I'm, I'm so grateful to know this. Yeah. I, and I love, I love what you said that we need to tend to our money the way we do, you know, to every other relationship in our lives. <laughs> you, you're aware of this, but for me, 2022 was also a year in which I, I think I healed a lot of my relationship to money and the fear of poverty. I, I've told the story a little bit, but you know, I grew up in poverty. I, I grew up poor. We, we had a lot of money issues growing up that wired my nervous system in a certain way where it was absolutely survival mode. And so, so much of my life has been, I have to work really, really hard to make a lot of money and hoard it. And if I don't have that, then the world is going to end. 
in a mm-hmm. nutshell, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2022, I worked with a coach who specializes in healing the nervous system to heal your relationship with money. And it wow. has been absolutely life-changing, not just because of what that has done to my relationship with money, which is still an ongoing work for me, but just what it's done to my nervous system in general, the idea of where my worth comes from, how I value my work, how I value my time, energy, effort, attention, where all of that goes. So it has reframed a lot of things for me in that realm. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's been life-changing and it's still, like I said, an ongoing thing, but it's, that was 2022. Well, as you talk about having a relationship to money, it reminds me, you know, of something, and I do think everything in our life we're in relationship to, you know, and it's, it's important Mm -hmm. to be mindful of those relationships and how we care for them. But my, Mm -hmm. my therapist, she, she has said for years, and it was one of the first questions she asked me about money, maybe 15 years ago, she said, if money were a person in your life, who would it be? And I think that's an important question to share to people listening. And I remember at the time, and I'm still reflecting that it represented both my parents. You know, I have a spectrum of, you know, you know, I'd be very mindful of it and tend to it, but I also feel like I have to hold on to it really tightly. Or my mother was very disconnected from it and would spend and spend and spend. We had credit card companies calling our house. I wasn't allowed to pick up the phone. You know, my mother even stole identities and like created credit cards under them. And like some of my clothes were bought and things bought from like these these credit cards that she never paid for. So that also created this fear and detachment from it, you know. So I've just kind of noticed, especially this past year, you know, my husband would often say, like, you you gotta start coming and having a relationship to it, you have to start connecting to it, paying attention to it. Cause I'll just be like, ah, <laughs> you know, almost <laughs> like, I don't want it, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause it had so, so much of a story or if I get it, it's just going to go away. So I feel like I'm really healing it and learning to tend to that. And I think it's important that not only who, what does money represent, although money is not a person, it's an energy. And I think we forget it's an energy and that it's an, an exchange it's an energetic exchange for goods, services between people, between companies. But if we don't know what it represents in our life, then we have this unconscious relationship to it and we really mm-hmm. struggle. And then it creates, it can create a lot of debt or we can hoard it and not enjoy our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where I heard this or who said it, but I probably saw it on Instagram more, more likely than not. We have this idea that money is evil, right? There is this idea that floats around that money is evil. I have my theories on it, but I'll stick to the fact that capitalism, what capitalism has done, right, to the disenfranchisement of people and communities and certain cultures and the imbalance in wealth, the imbalance distribution of wealth and all of that. But We have to remember that if money is energy and large sums of money go to good people, those good people are going to do good with that money, right? Mm -hmm. And that is something that I recently heard, but it's also something that was uh, introduced to me years ago. And one of the things I realized is that I've always wanted to be able to take care of myself and live a really good life financially. But a lot of times I I didn't just have myself in mind. I didn't just want to accumulate stuff. I always wanted to help and be of service. And so 
I always wanted to do more with that money and be able to support people who needed it in some way. Now, I think that that also requires a certain level of boundaries that you're not, you know, overgiving and all of that. But I think that what became clear to me is that money doesn't equal evil. Mm-hmm. Money equals opportunity and how we relate to it and our idea of it, our thought of it, our, our story around it is going to really determine how we share that, how we spend it. Um, for instance, I find such a great joy spending my money for, you know, to, to people who work like me, right? Mm-hmm. Like small business owners, right? People who work for themselves. If they, if they create something, it is my pleasure to give them money because I know that they created it. I know that they're trying to be of service to the world. And, and it's an energetic exchange that I am more than happy to exchange with them, to, to give to them. Mm-hmm. It's very, it becomes very different if I think, if I'm spending my money just on stuff that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I, cause I noticed that I can spend money freely. Like this year, I think I sent several people flowers that I love. I just thought, Oh, mm-hmm. we got to have flowers. <laughs> you know, people <laughs> got to have flowers. So I sent flowers and didn't think twice about it. But if I'm going into a store, like buying groceries, I get anxiety. Or if I'm going into a store, you know, where, you know, it's not a small business or it's not an active service or it's not to make someone happy, but it, it's interesting. It's actually for myself, groceries and my family, but things that like, you know, the prices and the amount and what it costs to feed my family, or I don't know what it is, but it, it must be about where I'm giving that money. Mm-hmm. It must be also about like spending it on myself, even though we need it, or also the company I'm giving it to. I feel stress mm-hmm. and I start to dissociate. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but if I'm doing it for a service or paying someone, you know, for a reading or a therapy session or a gift, don't even think twice about it. And I've never thought about the difference until you just said it. Yeah, I you know what you know what did it? What's interesting is that that coach that I that I'm telling you about worked with me on nervous system relationship to money. That is the biggest investment I've ever made when it comes to coaching. It was it was a big investment the biggest one I've ever made. And and that was a big deal to me. But the concept of value changed. One, I had a dream about it. And there were signs of that dream that came became relevant to me at the time of, you know, agreeing to work with her. So that was one thing I was definitely led by intuition. And I'm glad that I did that. But second, what I realized is that at the time of making that investment, I thought, oh my God, this is a really big amount. And what if I don't make the money for it? All of the stories behind it were exactly what I needed to heal, right? In order to, to mm-hmm. remember right. that, I'm, that I'm held and that I can trust, that, I, that I'm taken care of. Now, in hindsight, it took several months to realize, one, she helped me so much. It's invaluable at that point. Two, she works for herself in the same way that I do. So if I've, if there's anyone that I'm going to want to give my money to with all the pleasure in the world, it's going to be someone who's being of service to the world and I'm, I'm healing. It's the same thing with my esthetician. I love getting facials every single month. She works for herself. I love supporting her business and I love giving myself my facials every single month. And so... That has become such a part of 
my healing journey with money and being so much more intentional that when I spend it, it doesn't feel like I'm just giving it away or throwing it away. There's an intention and there's there's a joy in giving because I, it's mostly women that I work with, right? So giving mm-hmm. these women like this exchange for their gift and they bring me joy. It's, it's turned into something so different. And I, I think that's such a good reminder of your intention. You know, your intention, if I can go into some of these stores and understand my intention, it, it's hard for me. I don't know why it's hard for me to spend money on certain things. Like food is a huge expense in my house because we're gluten-free, I'm dairy-free, I'm egg-free, I'm blah, 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 free. Mm-hmm. We have to eat organic. Our bodies are really sensitive. And going to Whole Foods... And spending the amount of money I spend, I've had like, I've had like, I, I usually do delivery now because I felt so shamed <laughs> for years. They would just like gawk at my food and comment on it. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Right. Um, and they were like, this should last you two weeks. I'm like, no, this lasts me four days. I have two <laughs> growing boys. But what you just said is, in those moments, I need to remember my intention. I also get anxiety at the plant store because I love plants. I can remember <laughs> my intention is to buy plants for my house because it feels good. It makes my energy of my home yep. feel very good. Everyone enjoys them. And I'm feeding my family. And if we could fall back on that intention, my intention is not to check out, not to soothe myself with dopamine because I'm buying stuff. You know, I, I think that's so good. And I think this is one of the reasons that you brought this up is I wonder if men go through the same feelings. Because as women, I I just feel like, I know for me, there was such a stereotype growing up that women just spend money. You know, they're Mm -hmm. spenders. They spend the man's money. And that's Mm -hmm. just bullshit. I'm spending my own money. Um, (laughs) But we wanted to discuss, you know, especially as women, where has our relationship to money come from? Where have these themes or these ideas or beliefs come from? And when you brought this up, I was noticing its layers. I mean, you could Mm -hmm. start with the patriarchy. I, for me, it was religion, for sure. Just learning women are not as valuable. So the patriarchy, women. I grew up in the South. Gosh, people who listen to me talk about growing up in Texas must think I just hate Texas, but I don't. <laughs> but I grew up in a time where it was the good old boys network and women were not valued. I mean, my mom said to me, you know, this is how it was seen. Men want a blonde in the bedroom and a brunette in the kitchen. That was the kind of things that were said to me, not like anything else. Like you basically you're good for sex or cooking Mm -hmm. and cleaning. And then you top it on that. If you're a a victim of child abuse, your value already just starts at zero. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to introduce these ideas, you know, just introduce them and wanted to talk about them a little bit, you know, like where, where did your value come from or your beliefs about money? I, I, well, my, my background's slightly different, right? It's, uh, I'm first generation American. So when, when we come from immigrant parents, I'm sure this is the story for a lot of immigrant families or first generation Americans. Your parents come here to work. Mm -hmm. When you come to America, you come to work, you come to work really, really hard because you are, aiming for the American dream, Mm. right? You put your head down, you don't question authority, you just work. Mm. Now, add that to to my mom's story, victim of abuse, didn't speak the language, didn't have an education and had three kids to take care of. My mom cleaned toilets for most of my life, Mm. right? Two jobs back to back. That was that. So my introduction to money is one, it's really, really hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Two, you don't depend on anyone, especially not a man, to provide for you. 
you only have yourself to count on. Mm. And three, you money is is something that like getting out of poverty wasn't really an idea. It was just kind of like that cycle that you were going to live. And so I remember that as I started getting older, I mean, so much of my life, I did function under those very rigid belief systems that weren't even mine. And then I realized, wait a minute, I I do have an education and I, I do have different opportunities and I don't live in poverty and I don't see that happening, mm-hmm. right? So that was my relationship to money. It's really hard to come by. I have to work myself to the bone. And if I don't, then I'm, then I'm not going to make it. I have to hoard it because what mm-hmm. I experienced is that we never had it. But if I hoard it, then I'll always have it, which is not healthy. So it was a very limited relationship and outlook to what money and abundance, the, the, the feeling of abundance could be. That's I, I've heard, I have several clients or, and have had several clients who are first generation immigrants and or first generation Americans, excuse me, the guilt they feel around money and the responsibility mm-hmm. they feel to go to college, to get a steady job is, is huge. And also at the expense often of their own dreams or desires and that they, yeah. they, the balance of following their path and honoring what they feel they owe their parents has been a struggle for them. Have you felt that? Absolutely. I mean, I felt that for, I think all of my twenties, I think, that it, I think that until last year and even now, like there was no separation of the of of the story of struggle and money for me mm-hmm. and i still have to be mindful that it intertwines and i have to be aware of how and where is it coming from and what is my intention and all of the things right but yeah it, it, there was a pressure to just make sure that we were not going to end up living the way that our parents did in their own country wow. and as an adult i thought about that and i'm like that's your stuff that's not right. my stuff. Right? No. And no. the pressure that comes with thinking that that adds even more pressure. Like you have to buy the house and you have to have this kind of car because again, you're chasing the American dream. But for me, it's like, I've resisted all of my adult life to buy a house. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be stuck in that. I don't want to conform. I don't want to, I want to pick up and go if I want, whenever I want. So it's so different. It's so different than who wow. I am innately, naturally. Right. And I love that you're honoring that. I mean, and as you're talking, all these bells are going off inside my head, like awarenesses that, you know, you you seem to understand so clearly where your ideas about money came from and what your relationship has been and how it's changed. And I'm like sitting here going, oh, I was taught that women can't be trusted with money. And as I'm like, it makes me want to cry as I'm sitting here. I've never thought of that before. You know, we, I saw you know, the way some members of my family, my mom obviously couldn't be trusted with money. And then, you know, other family members who had a lot of money, they would dole it out in small amounts. And even when I would, I would be seven years old and I would want like a, like a stuffed unicorn. They like, did you bring your monies? And it was like $7 and like, well, well, you're going to have to go home and ask for the $7 from your grandfather. You know, just the way it was handled it, there, it was either overspending or a lack of generosity to the point that could be shaming. And and so I guess I'm sitting here going, oh, I was taught that women can't be trusted with money, which (laughs) that's just so eye-opening and we absolutely can. And also that the life could be one of complete dissociative spending or you bought everything 
very cheaply. And that was what you did. Like my, one of my relatives, if it's not from Sears or Walmart, they don't have it or want it or need it. Now, if that's where you buy it, that's fine. But these people have millions of dollars and it blows my mind to witness these two. <laughs> so you can see is like, I'm piecing all this together as it's coming. So I hope I'm being clear, but I'm just sitting here going, wow. And so carrying these you know, this, this, this obviously has affected the way I've tended to my money. I know with my dad and my relationship with my brother, if I wanted something, I would work really hard to save money. And then I would say, I can pay for half of it. Like I bought a $2,000 car. I said, I can pay a thousand. And then my dad paid the other half. Well, when my brother wanted a new truck, he got the one he wanted. He was never asked to pay for anything. And then he ran it into the ground. Now, my dad never asked me to work hard and save my money, but he mm-hmm. also didn't say, Hey, you don't have to do that. Or I'm happy to help you out or, you know, require anything from my brother. So there was another thing he was willing. He, I almost think he took pleasure in taking notes about how much I owed him. And then he would send me a bill. (laughs) My brother (laughs) never got a bill, but he also, my brother never said, Hey, do I owe you anything? Mm -hmm. Oh, in the sense of entitlement and the lack of entitlement, I'm Mm -hmm. all over the place. I hope it's making sense. No, no, no. I, it's making absolute sense because I think that that dynamic, I remember one time I was having a conversation with a friend and he said, uh, we were talking about how, you know, men get paid more than women in, in the corporate world. And he, and he just very nonchalantly said, well, all you have to do is go in there and ask for what you want. Mm. And I said, you know what? I can understand how you would say that because this entire world since the beginning of time has been catered so that you feel comfortable and safe enough to walk into someone's office and say, I need you to pay me so that I can have this lifestyle because if I have this lifestyle, I'm happy and I'm able to do better for you. Women have never been given the opportunity to do that. Women have never felt, whether it's from the household to our culture to the corporate world, whatever it is, we have not been given that environment to feel safe enough to do that historically. Mm -hmm. You and I were talking and and I Googled that women couldn't get a credit card without their husband until 1973 or four? Four, yeah. The year I was born. born. That's so sad. It's not funny. It's terrible. It's just, it's shocking. Right, right. So the whole, you know, there's something in there. What you shared reminds me of my brother, my sister, and I, we grew up in the same household. We grew up, you know, not having dinner sometimes. All mm. of us, we had this that experience, but very different experience when my brother wanted something or when he needed something, like he would get video games. I would never think about asking for a video game or anything of the sort or anything of equal value, right? right. But all he would do is ask for it. And he'd get it. Mm. To me, his ability to naturally be able to do that has so much to do with just this underlying unspoken rule, if you will, of how much easier it is for men to feel more comfortable with money and finances. But also this underlying rule that women have to sacrifice Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a sense of entitlement versus, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like many men, I don't want to say all men, but there is a sense of entitlement to walk into a room and ask for 
a salary worthy of them. My brother mm-hmm. asking for a f- fancy truck or the best bike. Your brother asking for video games at a time when video games was probably very indulgent, you very, know, considering right. you didn't have food sometimes. Right. And I think that's what we're talking about is women, like you were saying, I don't think we naturally have the sense of entitlement of I deserve. No, we have to prove our worth or mm-hmm. sacrifice enough to get to feel worthy. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's such bullshit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I want to touch on a few bullet points because the energy we're talking about here from an astrological perspective is again, the Taurus Scorpio energy. So what 2022 called us to aim towards is the higher expression of Taurus energy. And so some of that looks like this, reclaiming what you want and need based on your own desires, reclaiming what you want and need based on your own desires. So as of January, 2022, the the energetic shift in the cosmos was, this is what we're going to work on for a year and a half. So this, this energy still has a few more months to go, but in 2022 is when we really worked the bulk of this, of this, of this learning of this energy. Mm -hmm. Another, another lesson is fortifying a higher sense of value and self-love. Growing through higher self-worth standards, establishing a sense of security within your own energy field, and personal finances versus joint finances. So I'm taking these notes from a seminar I taught either early 2022 or late 2021 as we were moving into this energy. And so I wanted to bring them up because again, it, it's a good time to review how some of these things have unfolded for, for you all out there and what you've learned. I think that aside from money, right? Aside from that relationship to money and feeling like it's something outside of me that I have to obtain and gain and, and chase. I think that what really stood out to me is really fortifying the sense of self-worth and value within and figuring out what that feels like in my body and feeling safe in my body and feeling secure of myself in my body, that then allows me to connect with money from that space. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Can you give me an example in relationship to something? Absolutely. So, so much of my story for most of my life was I need to work really hard. I need to output any and a ridiculous amount of energy and prove myself to others so that they give me something outside of myself. Mm. Now, I was very disconnected from my sense of self-worth because if at the time I'd been connected to my sense of self-worth, it's, no, I'm going to do a good job and I'm not going to overexert myself and I am still worth that money. I am still worth getting paid that salary. I don't need to do more I need to do a good job because that matters to me because it's important for me to deliver good work, but I don't need to work myself to the bone to get the same amount of money. Now, the way that that has translated to me now is, okay, my sense of self-worth, I know how much I've studied. I know how much I've invested in myself. I know how much I continue to invest in myself. I know how much I know that I take that into account into how much I charge for my work. Mm-hmm. And it's very different than if I wasn't connected to those things in my body, if that wasn't something that felt right within me, I would give my work away for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I mean, I, I used to struggle with this and I think sometimes I still do. And I've worked with women on 
who um, have their own businesses and work an hourly rate. And something that I used to do and I've seen them do is worrying about the other person's financial situation so that you make it affordable enough for them to pay for you. And I'm like, do men ever do that? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think mm-hmm. my husband is conscious of that. And we both work on a sliding scale. But I remember really kind of getting in other people's, not literally getting in their business, but considering what their financial life might look like so I could make this work for them. Mm-hmm. And we just so devalue ourselves. And then we put a, an energetic message out into the collective about our self worth. And then we message that on some level to other people that what they're paying for is not valuable, but also that they can't ask that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I stopped getting, like when I stopped trying to figure out whether they could afford it or not, it really changed everything. And then I would just, but I did settle on fees that my nervous system was okay with. And I had to do some healing around raising that to make it worth my while. Exactly. And a lot of times I'll have to fall back on like, I can't afford not to, this is time and energy. I mean, I'm like sweating after a reading or a client session, you know, it's like physical, it's emotional, it's energetic. It's time and I love my work and it's worth something. I had a, I had a coach a few years ago who touched on exactly what you just touched on. And she said, Millie, you can't base your prices on what you think people can and can't afford. You don't know what people can and can't afford. What do you feel your work is worth? And at the time, again, I was so disconnected from myself, from my sense of self-worth that I didn't know how to answer that. Mm. And I think that it's important because I think we have a lot of listeners that that do work for themselves in some way, shape or form or have like a side hustle. We live in a side hustle type of world now, right? Mm -hmm. If you can't answer what you think your work is worth, that says more about the connection to yourself than it does about the dollar amount. Yeah, that's such a great point. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. Mm -mm. It's about... and, And to your point, it's... How does your nervous system respond to it? How does your body respond to it? Does your body contract or expand when you put a certain amount? And mm-hmm. if you feel that the amount that you're placing on your work is low and your body contracts like, no, 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 that's too high. You, it's something that you have to maneuver and work through and get very intimate with in order to be able to say what I just said. Because there's no way that I would have been able to say this a few years ago with the clarity that I do now. Mm-hmm. That's because I've gone deep into this shit. Because again, if this is what I'm going to do as my work in the world, I also have rent to pay. I yeah. also have a lot of things that are necessary and important to do my work to the best of my capacity. Yeah. Well, and I have worked with people who are starting, like, you know, are intuitive starting new business or new therapists or coaches. And one of the things they struggle with is, well, my work is of service. So how do I put a price on it? And this is when we go back to my wise therapist, the one I mentioned earlier. You know, she says spirit is our employer. And I think spirit doesn't want us to be impoverished out of service. There's enough. We have to come from an abundance perspective, not a scarcity perspective, that there is enough. There's more than enough financial energy to go around and that our work is worth something. And it's part of that exchange. And what I've learned is, unfortunately, people don't value what's free. Exactly. They don't. They won't show up for it. I mean, they won't show up for it. They won't put effort into it. They won't think highly of it. Mm-hmm. The more expensive something is, oh my God, this reminds me, Lara just read to me the other day that someone in California, it might have been in LA, they took Payless shoes and called them Pelosi's and they sold them at this storefront 
for like $600 to $800. Mm-hmm. And people went in and bought the Payless shoes, not mm-hmm. knowing it. And they paid that and they all sold out. And then they found, then they got everyone's information and got them back and said, Do you realize you just spent $600 on a pair of Payless shoes? And people were like, shocked. But I bring that up. It just blew my mind because you put yep. a higher price tag on something and people automatically assume, oh, it's valuable. So mm-hmm. I need that or I want that. And while I don't necessarily agree that that's why we should find something valuable because it's of a higher price, I think that's unfortunately how humans work and how our capitalist society works. So I'm saying two things at once. And so valuing ourselves and putting a price tag on something that feels good to us according to our nervous system. But people, they say they want free stuff. They say they want low price, bargain prices, cheap stuff. They don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What you just said reminded me of another thing that I saw. It's, it was a reel that was going around and it was kind of, it's kind of meant to be funny, but not right. And so it's this lady saying, Oh honey, you think my work is expensive? That's okay. Just come back when you have the money. Just come back when when you're afford it, but I'm not going to lower my prices. It's okay if you can't afford it. And I just laughed and it, it just resonated so hard, right? Yeah. Because I think it's important to, and this is where it gets murky, right? This is, this is where there's all these layers in the gray area. Capitalism is one thing. And the way that it has been exercised by greedy people mm. doesn't mean that that is the way that it is exercised by everyone. Right. And we have to remember that capitalism is a system. So capitalism isn't necessarily always the problem. It's what you do with the system that you have and underneath the inequality that we have financially in this world is a shit ton of greed. Mm -hmm. So very different things. Mm -hmm. But capitalism is what allows people like you and I to work for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Capitalism is what allows our parents of, you know, at least from, you know, from my experience, first generation Americans with immigrant parents to have a little corner store and make a living out of that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's important that we pay attention to that, especially nowadays, because again, in the work that we do, I know of people who have gotten duped, right? And who pay a lot of money for for things that they were promised one thing and it wasn't delivered in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that the way that we not bypass it, but really align with integrity and honesty and how we're exchanging our money is I get I think again comes back to our own sense of self-worth, our connection to our body, our connection to our nervous system, and saying, is the message that that person has to say, does it how does it really land on me? How does it really feel to me? And that is how I have now began to invest in myself and and hire coaches, for instance. I, I think I went off on a tangent a little bit, but <laughs> I love what you said about the capitalist being a capitalist society being a system that we get to participate in. And you can feel something just to relate to what you're saying is you can feel in your body when you're you're paying for a service with someone who is an integrity and who isn't operating from a place of greed, but really honors and values themselves. You can feel it intuitively, energetically when you pay for a service like that. So really pay attention to your body. If you think, well, this is expensive, but you really want to do it, check in with your body and just feel like, how is this person presenting themselves? You can feel it from a website. 
I can even like get an intuitive hit from like the name of something, Mm -hmm. you know, you Mm -hmm. can see an Instagram stuff. You can, you can see like, is this something that is of quality of integrity is worth paying for. So I just wanted to say that too, that if you're worried about paying something, you can feel someone's energy behind it. Yeah. As well. I, I completely, completely agree. So it's our responsibility to determine our worth and what we're valued. We we have to get clear on what is informing those things. Is it religion, culture, patriarchy, familial? Is it how we've been treated at past relationships? What are we allowing to determine our worth and our value and informing our relationship to money? And if those things are unconscious, we're going to have an unconscious relationship to money. It's it's important to I mean just from this conversation, I'm I'm going to walk away. I can't wait to tell Lair. Oh my god. <laughs> women weren't trusted with money and I'm the one that handles all the money. So he clearly trusts me, but I think I don't trust myself. So, (laughs) but that's something I, you know, I think is important to come back to and maybe end on that. It's, it's our responsibilities individuals to look at what's happening here around our value. Yeah. And it's, that is how we, and not to sound cheesy, but that is how we take that power back. Yeah. That is how we become so much more definitive and and confident and saying this is what I charge. Mm-hmm. It's okay. That's okay. Not just not just to to those who work for themselves, even for those who still have traditional jobs and and work for others. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate your work. Don't underestimate your energy, your effort. This is especially true. This is something that I kept in mind throughout working a traditional job. I skipped from job to job every about two, two and a half years. And the reason that I did that is because I knew that that was the only way that I was going to make a certain amount of money. Because every time that I went somewhere else, I got, I asked for more money and I got it. Wow. I wasn't going to give my work that amount of work for nothing. Mm-hmm. And so in, in working for myself now, it's like, no, I, I, but again, this, this came with time. This came with work. No, this is, this is what it costs. This is, this is the exchange. And to your point earlier, it says a lot also about who shows up and Mm -hmm. their commitment. Yeah. So it is our, like you said, it is our responsibility. Come back within and ask ourselves, what is my relationship with money? What's there? What are the blockages? How do I get curious about it? And even that in itself, even inquiring in that way is almost setting an intention. You're letting the energy of money know, I want more of you. I want Mm -hmm. you in my life. And so money, because money is energy of love and abundance, money is waiting for you to invite it. Yeah. And look, I say this. And when, if I had heard this a few years ago, I'd been like, that's such bullshit. Like you have to work for your money. you You know. But no, it's different. It is the essence of love and abundance. And when we welcome it, it comes in and it ebbs and it flows and we have seasons and there are things to learn from it. But eventually we get into a groove where we trust that it does have our backs and that it does have our best interest in energetic love and heart. I love that. I've got nothing to add. That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So well said. Yeah. So what... An amazing conversation. I hope that it is helpful to all of you out there. Thank you so, so much for joining us once again. 
Remember, we are on mostly on Instagram. I think, yeah, pretty much just Instagram at Blue Butterfly Effect Podcast. I am at Astro underscore consciousness. What is your handle, Ashley? Ashley Torrent 29. We look forward to the rest of the season. Keep giving us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and have, have a oh, really one more thing. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We have a retreat, a retreat in Costa Rica oh, yeah. at the Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. It's called Reclaiming Audacity. It's June 3rd through June 10th. There's still a few rooms left. And Millie and I are co-hosting with the lovely Danae Logan and Vanessa Bennett. And mm-hmm. I'm just so excited because I think this is an opportunity for people to come in and work on reclaiming their audacity, reclaiming their power, taking up space, working with old stories. It could be around money, around relationships. I think there's going to be a lot of fun things going on. I think so too. I, I am so looking forward to that. It's, I know that it's uh, both yours and mine first, like long retreat. And it's, there's so much excitement. Yeah. There's so much love going into it. So I... I have a new group starting April 3rd. I'm inviting people into my private community, Consciousness Circle Eclipse Edition. It's an eight-week group for $250, and you get to be a part of my private community. I get to walk you through the eclipse season, which I talked about at the beginning of the episode. Eclipses are an important time. And if you want to understand all the changes and the shifts that are going on in your life at the time, I really invite you to join this group. It's a lovely group. I share daily astrological lessons. It'll be a lot of astrological and journal prompting in order for you to be intentional with the energy that's at our disposal. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you all. Okay. Bye. Bye.